Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. We've been talking about the uh, three surprising developments that will uplift humanity in the next 55 years or so. And uh, we have covered the first one, which is uh, a lot of us becoming familiar with out-of-body experiences. Uh, The second development would be uh, identifying and interacting with other realities. And the third, which we'll discuss today, is understanding that we actually create what we experience. Now, this third development is the big one, and it may well take uh, more than the 55 years for a lot of us to be able to create what we experience, or even to understand it. Now, I'm not talking here of what many people call the law of attraction. That refers to the fact that if we focus intensely on something, we'll attract it into our life. A lot of books have been written about that principle, and a lot of people have demonstrated that they can do it. Uh, The best-known author in recent times, I would say, is Rhonda Byrne. She was the author of the best-selling book, The Secret, and she was also the force behind a what I consider a veritable industry that revolves around teaching these ideas in seminars and speeches and books and so forth. Years before Byrne popularized the idea, Shakti Gawain wrote a small book about the power of visualization and affirmations, which helped many people manifest the things they wanted, from jobs to relationships to wealth and more. I used to hand that book out to uh, people. And uh, Seth has described why and how the law of attraction works, as we've discussed in previous episodes. No, what I'm talking about is not the law of attraction, but the ability to actually create objects and events. Now, events, of course, are just objects in motion, aren't they? All right. So this ability to create objects and events just the way that the Bible described Jesus with the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And in that miracle, he created the bread and the fish to feed the crowd that had gathered to listen to him. Now, as far as our ability to actually create what we experience, quite frankly, we do not have a lot of examples of humans manifesting that in this manner at this time. There was a book, actually a series of a few books, The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. Now, this was published in 1924. The author, a fellow named Baird Spaulding, S-P-A-L-D-I-N-G, Baird Spaulding, in uh, the books there, he makes unverified claims that he and 10 other Americans formed a metaphysical research party and lived in the Far East for three and a half years, starting way back in 1894. So that would have gone from uh, 1894 till about 1898. Now, according to the book, they contacted and lived with what he called the great masters of the Himalayas, as he called them. Uh, Of course, they were otherwise known as holy men. Their travels covered India, Tibet, 
China, and Persia. That is, the travels of his troop with these holy men. Now, the book was published several years after the described experiences because the author, it's claimed, believed the world was not ready to accept the teachings, and so there were no records or photos to verify the claims. The author and the publisher both died in the 1950s. Regardless, the book cannot be used as source material to support the claim that any of the events described there actually occurred in physical reality. I'm mentioning it here because much of what the great masters taught, as you would read in those books if you read them, is similar to the points that we've made in these podcasts. Now, the author claimed they were capable of making delicious meals appear during long journeys, to be in more than one place at a time, and to create a version of themselves on the entry paths of a village in order to protect it while they traveled. Apparently, using spiritual powers, not physical force, they could uh, change the dangerous marauders of that era into peaceful, happy people when those marauders entered a village with the intent to pillage and plunder. Uh, The holy men could also scale towering cliffs, not by climbing them, but by instantly appearing atop them, right on the top of the cliff. They could manifest food, clothing, shelter, and everything else they needed for physical purposes. By manifesting, they simply just brought, brought it into reality. They created it. Now, these writings are interesting, but they're not proof of anything. But if you remember that ideas are real, they can be useful. They can be useful as blueprints for a reality where the inhabitants have the ability to manifest whatever they choose. Baird's writings are an example of the kind of capability that's possible when this third major development that we're discussing comes about. So, As such, as a kind of a blueprint, his writings can serve as a helpful starting point when you begin to imagine what you might want to manifest. Again, his uh, book was Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East, published in 1924. So how might we start to develop this ability on a broad basis? Well, we can start by understanding that the universe is not really something solid and separate from us, but it's an idea that we are constructing uh, that uh, I have mentioned in past sessions. But this concept of the universe as idea construction, as uh, Jane Roberts termed it, that's a very difficult concept for us to comprehend. It sounds extremely strange, right? We all know there's a universe out there. We see, touch, and hear it every day from tables to traffic to parades to huge buildings to other planets and the stars. How can anyone claim it's just an idea that we are constructing rather than solid matter that we can bump into any time we take a step? Certainly, from the viewpoint of our five senses, our universe is solid and real, not just an idea. But the key phrase there is, from the viewpoint of our five senses. Now, if, as we've talked about in the first step, you've traveled out of body in development one and then interacted with other 
physical and non-physical realities in development two, then it's a lot easier to accept the basic concept that we are spirits, with the earth experience being one of our experiences where we're temporarily in material form, or at least appearing to be in material form. And that goes back to the rules of the game here. Right? If you remember, we spirits have to stamp out our knowledge that we are spirits with many dimensions, and instead we agree to enter a physical body that acts like a virtual reality headset. Once we agree and enter that body, we experience the earth life through the best virtual reality headsets known to humans. That's our physical bodies, and there are five external senses that let us operate in this world. And of course, those five external senses, are, you know, sight, hearing, touch, smell, and taste, they are necessarily very finely attuned to perceiving a material world that is beyond any doubt, from the senses' perspective, a real universe. Of course, they force us to focus on this thin, narrow slice of reality, and that's important because by doing that, we can navigate effectively in our material universe. Right? Now, that's, of course, the whole purpose of, of the bodies with their senses, to perceive it all in such a way that it's going to seem real to us. Now, in developments one and two, just as when we, quote, die, the spirit that we are, or at least a part of it, part of us, separates from the virtual reality headset known as the body. And our awareness of other realities increases. We understand that the world we perceived in the body was an illusion that we helped to create, along with all the other humans and some guiding spirits, in order to play the earth game. As noted, it's a real illusion with a purpose. That purpose, as you may remember, is to help us grow and advance as spirits by successfully meeting the challenges that earth life poses. Now, people like Bob Monroe and Joe McMonagall and Ingo Swan, all of whom have been mentioned in previous discussions, these people have traveled out of body with their consciousness. And uh, they give us some idea of how this could be so, that we're really spirits, right? They pass through walls and they could be anywhere with their consciousness just by desiring it. Also, people who have what's called bad trips from taking hallucinogenic substances, they also experience a world where things and people seem to break up, morphing from one shape or color to another with dissociated sounds, emotions, and feelings. Their experiences vary widely, but they can rarely trust the images of their everyday five senses as they did before they had these hallucinogenic experiences. Now, some uh, might claim they actually created a weird reality of their own, but uh, they and their experiences don't really relate to our discussion today because the ego, the everyday self that we think is us, that's you and me, the ego was not a participant in the illusion that these people experienced when they took those drugs. Seth explained that in detail that I won't go into here, uh, but for our purposes, their experiences are just a distraction, uh, no more significant really than the writings of Baird that I mentioned earlier. 
Now, of course, we, we have to remember that uh, dead people and out-of-body travelers and bad trippers are not the only ones who maintain that the world we perceive is not what it seems to be. Many quantum physicists have figured out that what makes up matter when it gets down to its smallest building blocks is really nothing. It is, some say, dancing energy, but when you try to find out the smallest building blocks, you find out there's, there's nothing there in terms of material things. For anyone who wants to examine in detail how those quantum physicists uh, came to their conclusions, they could read the books uh, The Dancing Wu Li Masters and The Tao of Physics. I've mentioned them in previous discussions. But the point here is that when you realize <clears throat> how many points there are where the conclusions and the theories of the quantum physicists track very closely with what the dead people and the out-of-body travelers and psychics have told us about the true nature of reality, it's really startling. You almost get a mental picture of the physicist peeking at the notes of the psychics or vice versa. Right? These uh, physicists, uh, as I have mentioned in detail in previous sessions, they tell us, among other, other things, right, that there is no universe apart from our ideas of it. Right? They concluded there is no universe apart from our ideas of it. Now, I'll repeat the example that Seth gave because it's a very simple one and it's a little bit easier to understand. Uh, Seth explained that when an attractive girl walks into a room, each one of us has a different picture of her. Right, like TV cameras, we can't have two impressions from the same perspective because we'd have to be in exactly the same space with the same pre precise vision. But each of us calls what we perceive our reality. Each of us has an idea of the girl. That's an idea created by our senses and our brain. And that idea is ours alone. If we were not in that room, that pre precise version of her would not exist. And so it is with the universe and with all matter that we perceive. We each have our own idea of it. It's different from anybody else's. But we all agreed before coming here to believe that there's just one girl, that she's real by way of our own physical senses, and that she is separate from us. That's all necessary for us to play the game of the human time-space illusion that we're in now. But it's a description of reality only for those of us immersed in the game at the focus personality level. That's you and me, right? All of us focus personalities immersed in the game of the uh, human time-space illusion were all portions of a larger entity. And that entity is the real us. You could call it the soul, the spirit, the big self, whatever you want to call it. But that entity is the real us who knows that this is what would be called an illusion reality. Props in a play that enable us to play the game. At our larger spirit level, we know this. We know this reality is just one guise taken by the underlying greater reality from which our reality springs. So, at our focused personality level, we think we know the universe is real, solid, and outside of us. And that's as it should be for purposes of us growing and advancing 
uh, for dealing successfully with the, the challenges that Earth life poses. But at levels of greater awareness, our big self, our soul, the real us, we know that's not the case. Now, key is both perspectives are valid. There is a purpose for thinking it's real. It allows us to experience the human time-space illusion and grow as mentioned earlier. There's also a purpose for our expanded awareness and knowledge. It enables us to go on endlessly creating whatever realities we choose and to participate in them. And that's a very important point. In developments one and two, having traveled in spirit form and having interacted with other realities, some with form and some not, our understanding of ourselves will have grown dramatically. With it will grow our beliefs about our limits. We'll cast off a lot of them. Our beliefs about our limits and our abilities to create realities. So at our current stage of development, there are very few people among us who can demonstrate the ability to manifest. Unlike out-of-body experiences and interaction with other realities, the first uh, couple of steps where a lot of people have already done this, there are very few people who've already done this third step, which is understanding we create what we experience. We have to go through these stages uh, of one and two before we can expect this ability to become widespread. Now, uh, in some of her books, Jane Roberts described perceiving many realities, but she never claimed to be manifesting them in our reality. She did have balls of light and other symbols of life forms appear, but she did not, quote, manifest them in the sense that we're talking about here. Michaela Small-Wright, uh, who developed the Perlandra Gardens in Northern Virginia, she described in one of her books that she did manifest garden tools, but <laughs> she doesn't make a big point of it. It's apparently not central to the things that she wants to achieve in her life, and there's certainly no evidence for it. She values her privacy, uh, privacy as nearly as I can tell from reading her books, and, and she likely wouldn't want to waste any of her time trying to prove such capabilities to anyone. Her focus is more on our stewardship of the earth and our relationship to uh, plants and animals. Uh, now, Padre Pio in World War II, he was apparently able to approach guards and cause them to go into a state of hypnotic suspension in which they were not aware of anything occurring in the regular world. Now, this feat uh, corresponds to the abilities of the great masters mentioned uh, earlier who may have magically transformed vicious attackers into peaceful people. But neither of those is an example of manifestation. Neither is uh, the feats of Yuri Geller, who was famous there for a while because he could apparently bend spoons with his thoughts using no physical uh, force. Now, most uh, internet sites uh, on manifestation that you might find refer today to using the law of attraction to attract something into your life by focusing in on it. Now, I haven't studied in depth at all the field of actual manifestation of what we experience, that is, you know, creating it, beyond what Seth explained and beyond what Bob Monroe told his daughter after he transitioned to spirit when he said that mankind has no limits. So I personally, I'm not aware of any verifiable examples uh, 
of the loaves and fishes type of manifestation uh, that Jesus showed. Right? Still, Seth has stated unequivocally that until we realize that we create the reality we experience, we'll just keep bungling along in the human time-space illusion, unaware of the majesty and the power of our real selves. Now, it's unfortunate, but I guess necessary at this stage, when we're focused so tightly on our three-dimensional reality, that we're not able to experience the majesty of our own greater existence. As I see it, that's nothing to be concerned about, though. A future version of us, and since there's no time outside of this human time-space illusion, a future version of us right now is aware of that greater existence, and that greater spirit self that's us is enjoying all sorts of creative endeavors that we, our present focused personalities, would find difficult to even imagine. To get even close to some kind of understanding, we have to go back and re-examine the role of ideas. And since I'm already over 21 minutes, I'll stop here and we'll continue that discussion in the next session. Again, I'm Dan McEnany bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.